Hey, everybody, you are listening to the Accelerate Performance Lab podcast, hosted by Accelerate's Director of Experimental Science and Social Media Manager, Riley Witt. You are about to hear from some of the world's leading experts in sports performance and human optimization. From elite scientists to world-class coaches, this is the place to be to accelerate your performance. So, as always, sit back, buckle up, enjoy the ride. Here we go. Welcome back to the Accelerate Performance Lab podcast. Last Sunday, I held a webinar breaking down the intricacies of the in-between season break, and I figured in this episode, I would give you a little bit of a rundown in case you missed it. I went into way more detail in the webinar and answered more questions, but I'll give you a little bit of a taste here. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I appreciate you. I'm your host, Riley Witt, and today we'll be breaking down the in-between season break in three parts, reflection, recovery, and the return. When I was in high school, I didn't get a whole lot of guidance when it came to the break. I was just told, you know, take two weeks off and you'll be ready to go and injury-free when you return, which, you know, isn't always the most scientific. And I didn't like that because I wanted more guidance. So hopefully this episode will help a little bit if you are someone like me and want some more guidance. So without further ado, let's jump into the first section being reflection. Reflection is without a doubt a very powerful tool, and in my opinion, it's way underutilized. It's not really about sitting down with a magic crystal ball or meditating with your race results in your lap. It's about looking to the past and what you did prior to gain wisdom and guidance for the future. I'm sure you've heard pretty much any or every one of your history professors or teachers say, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. It is as much annoying as it is true. I don't love history, so I'm going to do my best to give science credit, and particularly in this situation, neuroscience. When you reflect on your races, workouts, or just the season in general, you're not just reminiscing in some nostalgia, but you're actively rewiring your brain. The act of recalling events and experiences strengthens these neural pathways. The more you reflect, the better you become at making smarter decisions setting more precise goals, and ultimately improving your performance. I like to think of it as like a deer running along a path. The more they run on that path, the more beaten down it gets, and then the faster they're able to run on that path. But to be honest, I think I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, because we don't want to just be reflecting over all of our races and all of our workouts, because, well, one, we don't have the time to do that, and two, We don't want to strengthen mental ties to bad habits. So if you had a bad race, we're just reflecting on that, causing it to have a stronger neural connection. That's probably a bad idea. We want to somewhat forget about that to a certain extent or glean some lessons and then forget about it. So we're not strengthening those neural pathways. So let's first use reflection as a tool to learn. So then we can use it to strengthen those pathways. You ask yourself, you sit on the bed and say, okay, man, I'm ready to learn something. Like what, what's one thing I'm doing wrong that I know I'm doing wrong that I could fix that I would fix. You meditate on that, you'll get an answer. I love Jordan Peterson, but that might've been a little dramatic for what we're talking about. I'm going to use the excuse to put that in. And for real, it does apply. 
So if we're listening to what Jordan Peterson said, we should try to carve out 30 minutes to an hour to sit on your bed, not necessarily literally, it could be at a desk or whatever, but just sit down and carve out some time, dive into your training logs, race performances, even those not so great days, use you know timing systems, your camera roll, or your mom's Facebook to jog your memory, then use all of that info, once your memory has been jogged, to plan out everything you did wrong and everything you did right in each situation. Preferably, find more negatives than positives. Once you've done that and you created an extensive list, going through all your workouts and races and figuring out what you could do differently, deeply think about just that, what you could have done differently in training, races, and outside of running, and what you did right and what you should keep doing in the future. Then, go ahead and do the same with your preseason goals. Did you fall short? Were they realistic? What could you have done differently to achieve those goals? No shame, it's just reflection, and it'll give you a good idea what you need to do differently in this upcoming track season. One thing that I think is super helpful is talking to yourself as if you were your own coach. Go crazy with the questioning. Ask yourself why you ran an extra mile, or why you skipped a rest day, or why did you feel tired on race day, and actually answer those questions thoughtfully. What about why did you start out too fast even though you knew you shouldn't? Was there someone you were trying to impress in that first 100 meters or that first mile? Did you want that Strava segment or, or the fastest first mile split? Be honest with yourself and figure out ways that you can change those and never do them again. It's like a post-race debrief, but with yourself. It sounds cheesy, but do it alone. No one has to know you're doing it. And I think you'll be able to get a lot of wisdom from this exercise. All right, section two and my favorite section for what we all think about when we hear about the in-between season break, we think about recovery. I could talk for hours about the different ways we can recover, but I'll keep it concise due to time constraints. I'll start off with mental recovery. In the webinar, I talked about reflection, forgetting, and hunger. We just talked about reflection, and I think that's a great way to start out your mental recovery. Once you're able to reflect on all of your races, you're able to kind of digest them a little bit and start your mental recovery. So apply all the information gathered from the reflection section, so from the past five minutes or so, then spend some time forgetting. So spend some time away from running, letting your thoughts consist of basically anything but the actual sport. You could spend your free time, you know, pursuing some different activities, different hobbies, studying more on school, just something other than running. So you're able to forget about it a little bit. And then that forgetfulness will lead into a stronger hunger quicker. What do I mean by hunger? that's the last section I had in the mental recovery, was, you know, after some time away from the sport, you'll let your mental battery recharge a little bit, and this will be evident by the hunger to improve and get back after it. Hunger is kind of equivalent to motivation. I do have some worksheets that go along with this, and that went along with the webinar, and I'll post, I'll post a link for you guys to sign up and get those completely free in the description of this episode, if you want, try to apply what you're learning here. And then my favorite, physical recovery. So my personal philosophy when it comes to optimizing recovery is three pillars. I could be missing some here, but these are what I see as the biggest three things. And that is sleep, nutrition, which I lump hydration in with nutrition, 
and then the third one is blood flow. And those are not really in any particular order. So let's start with sleep. Obviously, we all probably know this, but it's good to stress it. A 2012 study by another last name that I'm not going to try to pronounce found that inadequate sleep can hinder muscle recovery by upwards of 20% and even lead to muscle loss in some cases, if it's obviously pretty extreme. So even though you're on your break, doesn't mean you should just, you know, sit up and play Fortnite all night. The sleep is just as important when you're recovering as it was when you're performing. Starting December 1st, I'm launching my course and mentorship program. In the first month, we're going to dive into all of the intricacies about sleep. And so that might be something you want to look into because I think sleep is an area that everyone has room to improve in. And you'll see noticeable improvements in performance because of it. So next up, nutrition. I've done many podcasts on this topic, and I'm going to give a full breakdown in the Elevate Mentorship, but we know crap in equals crap out. You need the right fuel to function optimally, so load up on proteins, complex carbs, healthy fats to give your body the nutrients it craves to recover. I would recommend during this time off to actually lower your carbohydrate intake and increase your protein and fat. Typically, when it comes to the end of your season, you're lower on protein and fat due to increased carbohydrate because, you know, you're carb loading for bigger and more important races. That's great for some short-term energy, but not great at all for long-term health. So I would slowly cut back on the carbs and increase protein and fat. This increase in protein will help stave off some muscle loss, while the fat will help rebalance some of your hormones. I'm iffy on giving this info out because it should only be done if you know what you're doing and have someone guiding you in the process. And this is where, you know, Elevate is going to come into the picture where we'll just have a select few people in that mentorship so I can help work with one-on-one to figure these more intricate things out. But over the past four years, I've incorporated a fast in the middle of my break. So in the first part, so the first five to seven days or so, I would eat like a normal teenager, you know, junk food or whatever else. And then after that, I would do a complete water fast in between that section and then getting back into healthy eating. This fast I normally did for just like 24 hours, but this last time I extended it to three full days of just water to get a full reset of my microbiome. It really helped with some nagging inflammation and it sends growth hormone through the roof which obviously all further expedites my recovery and makes it that more effective i lump hydration into the nutrition pillar like i said i think it's equally as crucial but a little bit less complex a well hydrated body is equipped to transport nutrients to your muscles and flush out waste products a whole lot more effectively than someone who's dehydrated with you know not as many minerals as they should be intaking. Now for the last section in my physical recovery, this pillar is blood flow, which is super fascinating when you get into the nitty gritty. A little personal story, I worked at a vegetable farm for a few summers with two older ladies. I think one of them might listen to this podcast, so I want to make sure I'm not calling them old, but they were a little bit older than middle-aged. And so I pretty much did all of the physical labor when it came to the farm. And whenever I got assigned to this work, I never really complained or anything. But one of the ladies would always say, oh, it's good for you. Motion is lotion. (laughs) As I was tilling 20 acres of dirt with a one-wheel tractor at 7 a.m. when I'm already 8 to 10 miles deep from my morning run. 
So that quote, motion is lotion, has a little bit of a negative connotation, but it really is true. With motion or movement comes blood flow. With blood flow comes some oxygen and other nutrients, which obviously comes with recovery. So the more blood you can keep moving while you're on your break, the better. This could mean walking, biking, swimming, you know, massage, Normatech, cupping, sauna, scraping, etc., 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 which there's so many more ways to increase blood flow while also increasing full physical recovery as well. But for now, that's a wrap on the recovery phase. So now that we've reflected on our past season and we've recovered, it's time to slowly progress to returning to track. The return phase is kind of the grand finale of your break. It's the moment where you take everything you learned from reflection and recovery and apply it to your training, but it's not as simple as just jumping back in where you left off. To truly optimize your return, you need a very structured approach. Jumping straight back into intense training can and quite possibly will be a disaster. Why? Well, maybe it's because we're less fit than we were a few weeks ago, right? A Petri dish study showed that the half-life of mitochondria was 14 days. Why is this important, Riley? Well, it's definitely oversimplified, but forgive me because I'm going to use this example. Again, oversimplified, but think of mitochondria as a direct representation of fitness. We have trillions of mitochondria in our body and even hundreds in some cells. But let's say we have 10 trillion mitochondria when we're at peak fitness. So state cross country, we have 10 trillion mitochondria. We're the best fitness we've ever been. Then we take 14 days completely off. Based on this study, we would now have 5 trillion mitochondria, causing us to lose half of our fitness. We're a long ways away from where we were and we have a lot of catching up to do, right? Well, no. This study, I said, was looking at mitochondria in a petri dish. So it was literally the exact half-life if provided no stimulus, zero stimulus, like nothing. If you were to even sit on the couch doing nothing for 14 days, and I mean like absolutely nothing except for breathing, you are giving your mitochondria much more stimulus than the mitochondria that were looked at in this study. So let's assume you're still engaging in some type of movement and light activity, that 14-day half-life isn't even remotely close. I haven't found any, and frankly, I'm too lazy to look at the moment because I need to get this episode out and I have medical terminology homework, but I haven't found any studies on the half-life in active people of mitochondria. I don't really know how they would conduct that experiment, so there probably isn't anything out there, but let's just say the half-life for your fitness is definitely much longer than 14 days. Of course, you're going to be a little bit less fit than before your break, but that's not the primary reason, in my opinion, why you shouldn't just jump right back into training and where you left off. The primary reason, and again, this is in my opinion, would be because the slope of the skeletal system development is much slower than your cardiovascular system development. What do I mean by that? Well, your fitness is going to develop and get back to full strength much quicker than your skeletal system. So you need to take more time to get back up to full strength because of your bone health and bone strength. 
So sure, you can jump right back in. Your fitness will improve rapidly, but you're risking some skeletal system development issues. So is there ways to expedite or hack this process? Sure. Probably shouldn't listen to me because I'm currently coming back from a stress injury and a stress fracture in my femur. But I don't know. I've, I've learned a lot since, so maybe you should. Hopefully I'm able to give some wisdom. But let's look at other sports for some examples. In tennis players, the dominant arm that they swing their racket with or whatever is seen to be 20% thicker than the bones in their non-dominant arm. With some baseball pitchers seeing a 30% difference in their arm thickness, density, and strength for their throwing arm. So that's obviously quite impressive. This is all due to Wolf's Law. That law states that our bones become thicker and stronger over time to resist the force placed upon them and thinner and weaker if there are no forces to act against. So should we just run more so our bones become stronger? <laughs> well, no, because that's the reason we get stress injuries is because we're running more. But I guess in theory, yes, but we need to take time in between these bouts of stress to recover and give our bones time to get stronger. So that could look like only taking seven days completely off of running then getting back into training with one day off and one day on to provide your bones some stress and then take a little bit of time off to help it recover. But I'm gonna propose an idea that I think is way more effective. I believe a proper loading protocol with the goal of bone density for runners should be performed outside of running and the stress not actually being running. I think we should properly load our bone with specifically designed weight programs, including heavy weight compound movements, such as you know squat or deadlift, RDLs, or something that is a chunk of weight, but also moving multiple muscle groups at a time. Side note, I think everyone over the age of 60 should be doing some type of weight training for this very reason. You're missing the point if you're just supplementing with calcium and thinking that your bones are gonna be strong because of that. No, whenever you stress a bone, there's an electrical stimulus on the outside of that that is taking some of the minerals and calcium and bringing it to the bone, making it stronger. So sure, you can take calcium, that's just gonna be floating around your bloodstream and not going anywhere unless you actually give it a stimulus. So if you don't take anything else away from this episode, make sure to tell your grandma to start deadlifting. So you'll learn more about this protocol in my Never Break series in Elevate. All right, I'm gonna conclude this episode with a general step-by-step -step guide for your return. All right, for step one, I would set out a period of time where you're doing absolutely no physical activity, no running, no whatever, to get your mind right. This would include the reflection part. So in this time, you know, the first five to seven days or whatever, you're not doing any activity, but you're just trying to, number one, reflect on the season, get that over with, and then start to forget about running. Stop thinking about it. Think about other passions or hobbies that you may have to increase motivation later on. Then step two, maybe after seven to 10 days of completely nothing, then you can start the loading protocol where you can start lifting. Obviously, if you haven't lifted before, don't do crazy heavy weight or whatever, because the last thing we wanna do is get you injured when we're trying to prevent injury with lifting, but preferably compound heavy movements to load the bone. Then step three, 
I would add in some cross training. Maybe you're not running quite yet, but you want some cardiovascular fitness and you're motivated and hungry to start training. As long as the hunger is there, you can start cross training and working on your cardiovascular system. Then I would start to run and preferably run every other day or two days on, one day off, so you can give your skeletal system a little bit of a break. Then you can start to run every day with maybe one day off a week, but stick to easy runs. Don't try to do too much do too soon and add some high-intensity interval training when you're not quite ready yet. Then when you feel like you're ready, you could take a down week in volume. So maybe your weekly volume's 40 miles a week, but maybe drop it to 35 and then add some workouts in. So you're dropping volume, but increasing intensity. And then after that, you can increase volume. And at this point, you're ready for full swing. You can start increasing volume and intensity, preferably not at the same time, but by a week by week basis. There you have it, the science and strategy behind optimizing your in-between season break. I hope you found these insights valuable, and if you want more info, I put together an ebook with all the info you need for your in-between season break, so I'll link that in the description. It's completely free. Just put in your email, and I'll send it over your way. Like I've said a few times in this episode, there's plenty more where this has come from, and we'll go into more detail in the Elevate Performance Group. You need to sign up before December 1st if you want complete access to the sleep module. Trust me, you won't want to miss it, and I guarantee you'll see some sleep improvements and performance improvements because of that at the end of December. Sign up, and we'll get started December 1st. Best of luck in your recovery, and I'll see you again next week on the Accelerate Performance Lab podcast.